Welcome back to Over Here, the podcast from outside in music that talks with artists about their latest releases. And today we are glad to have Peter Nelson, a Michigan native now in New York City, uh, celebrating this week, the week of January 2nd. Happy New Year, by the way. Welcome back for another full year of outside in music content. So we're going to get rolling with this conversation with Peter, and he's going to be talking about his brand new EP, Clock Stories, Volume 1. So he has a lot of interesting things to say about that. He's got a lot of interesting things that he's thinking about and preparing for in 2018. So as always, stick around for the conversation. All right, today we're talking with Peter Nelson, a fantastic jazz trombonist and just musician and composer and thinker from, I think he's from originally from Michigan in New York City now. How are you doing today, Peter? Doing well, man. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we appreciate you being here. So I just want to fill people in a little bit on your background. I think you could probably tell the story best. So why don't you give us the few minute story of Peter Nelson getting from Michigan, starting with the trombone and ending up in New York City? Most definitely, man. Um, I was very fortunate to be uh, raised in a, in a really creative household. Um, my father, who I, I had... Uh, um, great relationship with, uh, who left when I was very early, but had a great relationship with was a, as a glass artist, um, and used to travel the country doing blown glass. So most of the time that I would spend with him growing up was actually on the road doing art shows, um, or even just hanging out in his studio. So I was always in that creative environment. And my grandmother was a, a jazz pianist. So I was also around jazz music, uh, you know, thinking that that was the norm for, for kids my age when from, you know, from a very young age. So I was exposed to that world very early. And then, um, my mother was always very supportive as well with all, all the, the creative endeavors that I used to engage in. And I found my way to trombone, uh, around 10 years old, I think nine or 10 years old. And, um, Lansing, Michigan, which is where I was uh, born, was a was a really it's a heavy immigrant community. Um, so there's lots of different cultures and lots of different music represented there. And uh, my you know my high school, for instance, there were 24, 25 languages spoken. Um, and it was it was such a, a gift to be exposed to all the music and all the different cultural idioms uh, growing up in that community. And I think that led me to salsa music when I was about 13 or 14. And I started playing professionally. I started playing in salsa bands, actually. Um, started writing music around the same age, around 14, 15. Um, and then uh, it seemed only natural after, after being involved in that, in salsa and, and being exposed to jazz through a very vibrant uh, jazz community um, and a really supportive um, scholastic jazz community in my, in my uh, hometown. I found my way to Michigan State, which is a, a becoming really like a jazz hub and jazz mecca for up and coming musicians. And Michigan State's program was, it provided the context for me to really incubate and really deal with the music that, that was closest to my heart, which is really improvised contemporary music, uh, whether it be from a jazz perspective, whether it be from a salsa perspective, hip hop perspective, whichever, you know, more avant garde. I just love the, I love engaging in that. Um, and Michigan State allowed me the space to both navigate that uh, introspectively and also engage with a really vibrant community because the the student culture there is is so full of life and so full of great ideas. So after Michigan State, it seemed like only a natural move to come to New York City. I took a year off to 
really dive more into my own compositions and, and deal with the trombone a little bit more um, after university. And then I came to New York and I came with, initially I was thinking about going to school here, but I um, I found myself through a, through a series of events, found myself out here actually just moving out cold without without any um, without a graduate program or anything like that, and it was actually the best thing I could have done. And I'm so very happy to be engaging with the musicians that I am now, and to have have spent the time that I have here. Um, it's it's been nothing but a fantastic learning experience. So a lot of people, like you just were mentioning, they moved to New York to go to school and then try to kind of enter the scene. And so I wonder if you can provide some perspective about how you managed to you know build yourself into you know, a top call player on the scene while, you know, not having that initial community and what were some of the things you had to deal with during that period? Certainly. Um, I mean, it's definitely, and it's definitely, uh, I can't speak for going to graduate school because obviously I didn't do that, but it seems to me just objectively that it seems like a little bit more, um, the immediacy of the volatility of New York is a little bit more relevant because I don't have this, this, I don't have school. I don't have this thing to kind of fall back on. I don't have this, this responsibility that is connected, but also, uh, really protects me from the, the rest of the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was very much like, all right, I got to get out here. How do I, I need to eat. I need to pay these bills. I need to, <laughs> I need to have somewhere to sleep. These, these, um, these issues become very immediate and, I, you know, grabbed, I got a bartending job really quick. Um, and that only lasted, it was a pretty short stint, thankfully. But, um, it seems when, when you're put in a situation like that, you know, without a whole lot to fall back on or without anything to fall back on, um, you, uh, you problem solve very quickly. And I was some, somebody, I can't even remember who told me this. I think it was actually David Gibson, fantastic trombone player who told me, um, when you want to work with people, when you, it's so many people, like there's the jam session culture. That's everybody talks about the jam sessions. But when you go and meet somebody with a, at a jam session, it's so apparent the agenda, right? It's so much about hire me. It's so much about look at, look at what I can do, which I mean, aside from being a little bit egocentric and agenda oriented, it's not really, you're not, you're not going to develop real relationships that way. Certainly you can when you hang a lot and the hang is where you develop the relationships, but specifically playing for people in a jam session setting is great, but it's, I find that I was much more successful in building relationships when I would even leave my horn at home and go out to hear artists play. For instance, I really, because I mean, when you do that, you immediately show I'm here to listen to you, right? I'm here to experience your creative energy without an agenda. I'm not trying to show, I don't even have my horn with me. I'm not trying to show you all the stuff I can do. I respect your art enough to not want to just meet you in a jam session. I want to meet you listening to your music. And that was how I got into bands like the Captain Black Big Band. You know, I went out three times to hear them. I met the cats. And then finally, after like the third time, then I played in the jam session and I played for another great, great trombone player, Stafford Hunter. And um, Stafford and I hung out and, and chilled and got a drink. And and the next week, I was playing in the band. And I'm not obviously not saying that that's gonna, that's a foolproof way and that's going to happen every time. But it is an honest way, right? It's a way that it's a way that uh, builds relationships that are not so much based on an agenda. Right. And I think that was very successful for me. Yeah, that's a, such a great way to put it. I've tried to, you know 
explain that to students who move to New York many times. There's, they just like want to go to Smalls and just hang out at the jam session. But I think that is the perfect way to explain it. So let's kind of steer our conversation now towards what's coming up for you. I know just coming up later uh, in this this week of um, this interview is going to air uh I guess on January 2nd. So right after your first video comes out for a brand new project of yours. So could you tell us a little bit about the new EP? Absolutely. So, um, this, this EP that I just recorded is, uh, there are, we were doing four tracks, um, two tracks. I'm accompanied in a quintet setting by, uh, Haley Niswanger, fantastic alto saxophonist, really incredible creative in her own right. Just, just had just released a new project called May sun which you should all check out. Um, and then in the second two tunes, uh, it's again quintet, but instead of the saxophone, it's going to be fronted by my close friend, uh, Alexa Braccini, amazing singer. Um, and she, uh, she's penned some lyrics to some of my music. So that's going to be, that's very exciting to have those two on it. And, the the EP, we filmed studio videos. So we're going to be dropping videos for three of the tracks. Um, that are just studio videos filmed by Simon Yu that are looking really beautiful and I'm so happy to have him on board. But then the the fourth track, we are actually doing, this is kind of the first time I'm announcing this uh, publicly, we're actually doing a music video for that track featuring a very close friend of mine that's uh, dancing and then featuring great, great director um, and director of photography. I'm super happy to have everybody on board. Uh, so that's going to be, we're aiming for fall 2018 for that release, which was very exciting. But you can hear the track, obviously, on the EP. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, and then now we decided now also to release it as an EP online. So all the music's going to be available. So it's uh, it's been a great process in the band. I'm very happy with the music. And, so yeah. who else is in the band? You mentioned Haley and... Haley and Alexa are, are, my, um, are my frontline partners. And then the rhythm section is uh, Itai Morchi on drums, uh, Raviv Markowitz on the double bass, and Willem Delasfort on the piano, which is really a great rhythm section. And I, I actually would love to share a little story. We, Raviv and Itai had never played together. And to me, they have such a similar beat that it shocked me that they had never played together. And um, they, I wrote, actually, one of the introductions on one of the songs, Blue, Gray, and the Sleeping Clock. I had the song written... And it felt like it really needed something. It needed this intro. And I actually wrote the introduction, I think it was a week before the rehearsal. And I wrote it with them in mind, with Raviv and Itai in mind. And locking that up in the rehearsal was such a joy to hear those guys navigate that and really come together. So that song is, you know, there's a story behind the song, but there's also an additional story of writing it for these two gentlemen that I, that I admire their musicality and, and their spirit very much. Why don't you take a second to share kind of the story behind, maybe behind that track and behind the EP? Sure. Uh, so the EP, um, the EP is called uh, Clock Stories, Volume One, and I have been thinking for such a long time because it's very much my my background musically, uh, specifically in a jazz sense. My background is from bebop and from hard bop, and that's really what I and swing, and that's that's what I you know spent my formative years studying and exploring and, and, you know, loving. And, um, two of the tracks are the two tracks with Haley, the saxophone phonist are very much like that. And then 
the other two tracks with Alexa are informed by a slightly more, you know, the word modern is such a strange, strange thing, but for, for argument's sake, are informed by a slightly more modern uh, compositional style. And having those two having those two worlds represented, those two parts of me represented is is really um, it 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 flows very nicely with where I'm at right now as a person. Um, and I have been thinking for such a long time actually about where I could use this poem that I wrote. Um, I put this, wrote this poem like three years ago on the subway and it feels very, it feels very relevant to the content of the EP. And the poem goes red light, blue light, old life, new life, the grind will make us all colorblind. And rather than try to explain the poem so much, I just want to let that sit. Um, but the poem is very much a part of the, the story of the EP. And I'm excited to share these two different worlds, um, as not only as representation of myself artistically, but as really a launchpad for the content, the musical content that's going to be represented in the album a little bit later. Yeah, so you will be able to find uh, the EP, Clock Stories Volume 1, on Spotify and Apple Music, and then uh, also on YouTube in video form. We're going to launch one in December, one in January, one in February, and that's all leading up to kind of a even bigger project for you, uh, a full-length album, and do, do you want to give some context about that project as well? Yeah, sure. So the, the album is something I've been working on for a very long time, and um, it actually features three different ensembles. The first ensemble is going to be uh, vibraphone, voice, and trombone. Uh, vibraphonist uh, Nikara Warren is a close friend of mine, and she she's agreed to play on it, and then Alexa will be singing again. That ensemble bookends the album, as as well as you know having a track right in the middle of it. And then there's another another three tracks of septet, which are going to be the just rhythm section and myself with the addition of bass clarinet, trumpet, and tenor saxophone. And then the third ensemble is just the very the standard jazz quartet rhythm section and myself. And um, the themes that are presented in the the trio setting, the the um, vibraphone and voice and trombone, those themes are going to be explored throughout the entire album. Uh, it's very exciting. I'm, I've had the musicians and the the content, the tunes and the the real the story, the whole trajectory of the album in mind for a long time. So it's it's such a pleasure to to actually see this all coming to life. I actually just set the recording date yesterday, so it's all set uh, for late February, and I'm very excited about that project. So the album is slated, will end up coming out later in 2018, excuse me. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just, I, the reason I was getting caught up is because I'm just thinking about, you know, how many different projects and how many different ideas and just cross, not even cross genre, but cross platform, I guess, creativity that you have. And I'm just wondering, how do you, manage all of these different ideas that you have and manage all the different you know projects that you're thinking of just like in your head and kind of organizing them certainly um i mean obviously i don't have the golden ticket right i mean this is going to be different for everybody but i can i can speak from my my own experience and that organization has been so important for me so i the first thing i do every morning you know i i 
drink a cup of coffee and I journal and I do something called morning pages that are that I learned from uh, Julia Cameron's amazing program called The Artist Way. I really recommend that highly to young musicians. Um, I mean, any musicians actually, any artists. But I do morning pages and I I journal on my my goals for the day and and just thoughts, just just kind of you know putting words on page, just stream of consciousness. And I alternate doing that. I'll do that. I'll do words one week and then I'll do free form composition the next week, just morning pages, stream of consciousness composing in my little uh, moleskin notebook with, you know, manuscript paper. And so getting that out early in the day is really important. And then at the same time, I'm, that's a huge part of my, my process. Uh, but then at the same time, every Sunday night, I also, in that same notebook, write a plan for the whole week, write day by day things I want to get done, um, even down to like transcriptions that I want to do, everything. So I'm super organized and if you see my desktop on my computer, all my projects have their own folders and then all those folders have folders. So organization has been really important to me and having a little bit of objectivity with your goals is also extremely important. So I'll have weekly goals, monthly goals, yearly goals and oftentimes you don't hit those but just having the goals really like, I mean, they get you moving, right? Having that written down, having that planned out really gets you moving. And for me, I have, you know, I'm working on a big band right now. I also have a trio project that does more like Radiohead jazz. And then I have this quintet and then I have this, uh, um, the records coming out. So it's to, I can't possibly do those, uh, all that stuff without being really organized. Yeah, totally. And that's great to hear. You know, I've heard of a lot of people doing, you know, some sort of journaling, practice in the morning and that's uh something that i've been actually trying to do as well so i'm glad to hear i'm not <laughs> i'm not no, alone in this adventure it's addictive it's really addictive i can't i feel a little bit off kilter if i don't do it in the morning you know and so often so often it's it's tough to get it in if you if you're getting up at 6 a.m to go do something you know to go be somewhere at eight you know it's a little bit difficult but it's been it's so uh it's been become such a formative part of my day and it's become such a such an important part of just getting my ideas out first, you know, getting my ideas out in a completely objective setting where there's no judgment, there's no, there's no intention, even with my morning composition, there's no intention to release these tunes, there's no intention to play them, it's just stream of consciousness composition. And I find that when I do that in the morning, later in the day when I come back to composing, I can be much more intentional, because I've already my stream of consciousness stuff is already going. It's already got, it's already on the page, you know, so I can be much more intentional after that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, can relate to that experience. Mm -hmm. And, um, so a lot of you know, our listeners tend to be, you know, in, of the musical background. And I'm wondering if you could share any challenges that you've had along the way of trying to create this EP and eventually the album and how you kind of got over those hurdles. Sure. Um, I think a challenge that we all face, I think that a challenge that we all face um, pretty often is, is fighting different agendas, whether they be external or internal, you know, but I think um, these can be, these agendas can be, uh, you know, put out by teachers or by by parents or anything like that. And often we get caught up in, you know, it's like this, the old, it's, it's not, I'm not saying anything that we haven't heard a million times as far as like, it's just getting caught up in what other people want, what other people think or what we even think 
what we think other people want, what we think other people's agenda for us is. And I think that that can really throw musicians, young musicians off. And I, well, where the, uh, well, it's important to, you know, take heed of the advice of mentors and parents and stuff. Be very honest with yourself. It's okay. You know, be honest with what you like. Uh, so often I'm, I find myself in the conversation about the model for jazz music, just particularly using jazz as, as an example, jazz music in the institution is turning out so many young musicians, but often, often is the case, these musicians were the strongest player in their high school and they liked playing, but they didn't have any idea about the music industry and how to, how to actually make a career out of it, or even if they wanted to make a career out of it, you know, it was just fun. So I think so often, especially for people like that, it's too, it's so easy to get caught up in the agenda of other people rather than to be honest about what you like. What do you like? What are you honest about when you create? You know, do you want to be a studio musician? You want to be a sideman? That's great if you do, but be honest about it. It's all right. It's okay to be yourself. You know, and that's, that's been really important for me. And then, uh, another big hurdle that I, that I think it's important to share is that I, I was one of the unfortunate few to experience an incredibly physically debilitating uh, condition when I was very young in my career, uh, I, I got focal dystonia as well as Schwastik sign at the same time. And that was very difficult to navigate. And I was, after a year of, you know, barely being able to play and having waking up hyperventilating and having chronic pain and nerve pain all over my face, I was steered towards an educator named Jan Kagerice. And Jan, I recommend to everybody, Jan is unreal. And she you know, saved my career, saved my life. She's a, a really incredible physiologist and educator. So coming back from that, coming back from something like dystonia, it forced, it really forced my hand and it brought into sharp focus the necessity of being intentional, the necessity of being, of approaching, you know, like leading with love, approaching the things I'm doing with love and with real passion for that love. Um, and not, not to let agenda, not to let these things that really create immobility, create, you know, tension, uh, not to let them in, you know? So I think it was really important. That was a, a, just a, a wake up call for me. Um, so be good to your bodies. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, for me, that's, you know, one of the not maybe not scary is not really the right word, but just like a concern that's always kind of in the back of my mind. I see so many young especially young brass players doing a lot of things. We talked about this the other day, you know, yeah, definitely. doing a lot of things that definitely are not natural uh, <laughs> to the body and um, just trying to approach it. You know, maybe that's another topic for another conversation, but um, Most um, we're all really glad that you uh, were able to kind of move through it and kind of be able to continue to create beautiful music. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate that. Well, and so what else are you up to other than your own projects? Uh, kind of, what are some of the other things you're looking forward to? Oh man, I um, so I'm you know I'm fortunate to play with a lot of different musicians in a ton of different contexts. But one of my regular gigs is actually this brass band called the Hudson Horns um, that I play sousaphone in, and I I have I've had such a good time playing with them. They're, that band has really taken off and is really doing some great stuff. And it's uh, it's provided you know it almost started as like recreation a couple, a couple years ago. And it turned into one of the main bands that I play with. And, and we play all sorts of different music, whether it be traditional jazz to all the way up to trap music and funk and 
and it's um it's that that band was happening at the same time that I was recovering from dystonia and it gave me a space to just experience the joy of music again just to experience the joy of just playing we didn't have an agenda it's not trying to be anything more than it you know than it actually is it's just a party band but we have a great time playing and that I've, you know, that has, that has since, you know, been reintroduced into my creative playing in my, in jazz and other music, but that, that project I'm super excited about. And I think it's, I think it's a very fun band to watch. I think it's also a very inspiring band to watch, uh, because we seem to be seeing like a brass band resurgence for young musicians to definitely check out Hudson Horns. Awesome. And where's the best place to do that? Oh man, we have, uh, lots of stuff online on YouTube and on our website, HudsonHorns.com. But we also have some regular gigs, uh, one at Sugarcane uh, in, um, in Dumbo, Brooklyn, and then one at Radagast Hall. We're there uh, monthly, and then we have a monthly thing at the Django in New York City as well, in the Roxy Hotel. Um, so lots of places to see us live, but also there's lots of stuff online. So that's a very fun band, and I think it's so important to always have a musical environment where you can express yourself naturally without an agenda, and just have a good time because, you know, yeah, I don't know. We get so caught up all the time. <laughs> we get so caught up. I don't know if I have to explain why it's important to have a good time. <laughs> Shocking that I might, though. <laughs> and uh, what's the best place for people to find you online and connect with you? Uh, you can find me. My website is peternelsonmusic.com. Uh, my Instagram is Peter Nelson Music. I post a lot of news on my Instagram, so that's a good place to follow just what's going on in my career. And then also YouTube. You know, you can search Peter Nelson Music on YouTube as well. Yeah, one of the best curated trombone Instagram pages of all time, I think. <laughs> Thanks, Helmy. Yeah, it's it's it, you'll just have to check it out because it's very well uh, manicured. You could say. Uh, appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, Peter, thanks for taking some time to chat today. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. So much great stuff in that conversation with Peter. I hope that brass players might take away some thoughts about not being so extremely physical when they're playing and not having to deal with those nerve issues that can kind of crop up later in life. And I hope musicians will take inspiration from Peter and being organized and doing their projects and creating their music, creating a vision and seeing it out to the end. So thanks to Peter. Make sure you go onto Spotify, Apple Music, and check those videos out on YouTube. Find Peter's EP anywhere that you like to listen to music. And stay on the lookout for Peter's full album coming later in 2018. And make sure you're checking out his socials to stay in touch. And if you're a musician or an artist, you're looking for somewhere to put out your music, Outside In Music is always looking for new artists to collaborate with, so don't hesitate to get in touch. Info at outsideinmusic.com or just go to the website and you can submit via there. So thanks so much for taking some time to listen to Over Here, and we'll be back again with an episode next week, back to our regularly scheduled Mondays. We're here on Tuesday because of the holiday, January 1st, yesterday, and we thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you back here in just a week.